Welcome to the show, everyone. Great to be with you, Paul George. Here with you today in studio with the world-famous Deacon Adam Conk. Howdy, howdy. I just got to share with you the name of that song. <laughs> what is it? Um, it's called Funky Freeway Driving with a Chicken on the Freeway. That's what it's called. Yep. That's kind of how I feel today, actually. <laughs> Funky Freeway Driving? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for listening in today on KLFT Radio or on the podcast, wherever you are. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Adam, how's it going, man? It's going great. I, I'm really looking forward to Advent and Christmas that are just around the corner. I like the chillier weather. You know, we're going to do a fire tonight. I'm, I'm saving my gumbo, though. You, you don't know how much you touched my life. I saved your life. I'm saving my gumbo for the end of November. Is chillier a word? Chillier. Chillier. It's probably more chilly. More chilly? Probably. Mm-hmm. Now, I did do my first chili of the season, by the way. It was good? Yeah. But you can do a chili before a gumbo. That, oh, yeah. Chili you can eat year-round if you want. You can. Definitely oh. want to do it when it's cold, but yeah. Yeah. But I'm ready for the gumbo because we just got a little a little cold weather in. It's nice. I'm feeling it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's November. I'm giving people permission Oh, thank you, buddy. To do their gumbo <laughs> here in November. So so it's exciting. We've got a great show planned for everyone. Thanks for being a part of it. Um, yeah, so do you have a, you know, I'm kind of guessing here. Do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yes, I don't know if you've heard this news yet. No. This well, was, how this how came do I know? Out, this came out in <laughs> mid-October, so oh. very recent. Oh. But there's a New Zealand city that is firing... It's official wizard. Oh, they have one. Yes. Okay. There's a, <clears throat> they have an official wizard of the town after two decades. He's really? been the official wizard. Christchurch, New Zealand. Okay. Um, is parting ways with the official city wizard because of his offensive remarks about women and the local government's new tourism strategy, which was apparently he was opposed to. I didn't know wizards were still around. <laughs> well, this guy, you know, if you look at the picture, he's got he's got the whole getup. I mean, the pointy hat. Um, I mean, he looks like Gandalf. Okay. And his name is Ian Chanel. Um, he receives an annual salary from the city. Really? To walk around in wizard-like garb. That's it. And make proclamations, like wizard-like proclamations. Is it more of a tourist attraction or...? Yes, I think so. I think that's what how it all got started. Um, it's you know this makes sense. Think of like New York City, where you have these people that become you know right. Times Square staples, gotcha. and then the city might want to support them. Really, but he he was making a pretty little penny. Really, yeah, um, but not anymore because apparently he he crossed some city <laughs> officials with some of the tourism <laughs> plans going on, and the poor guy got fired. If you could just be paid to be a character, like what would you? What would you be? Like, you're like, I'm getting paid just to be a character of something. Like, this guy's getting paid to be a wizard. Yeah, wizard's pretty good, but I, I think I think I would do, like, a spaceman. Like, a, not an astronaut, exactly. Okay. But, like, a spaceman. A man of space. I can tell you what I wouldn't do. What's that? A clown. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't do a clown. I think if I got paid to be a character, it'd be a cowboy. Like, I'd just ride on a horse through town. That does sound pretty good. Doesn't that sound get good? Get a salary just to just ride get a, through the horse. Just get mm-hmm. paid to, you know, be a cowboy through town. That would be that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as we were beginning the show that you said that you were excited not only for the weather but for Advent coming up. And mm-hmm. a lot of times, like Advent's one of those seasons that just kind of like we show up at church that Sunday and they light a candle and they're like, oh, it's Advent, like. Wow, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it just happens. It, yeah, and I think w- what's interesting about what you're saying and bringing it up is <clears throat> I think it's important for us, for me, you included, all of us, is to be a little bit more intentional about Advent. One of the ways we can be intentional about that is to think about it ahead of time, yeah. right? So we're, this Sunday will be three weeks away from Advent, the start of the first Sunday Which of Advent. Which is nothing. That's just a few, you know, right. a few weeks. Yeah. It's being great. like the third Sunday being like that's the first week of Advent. Right, right. right. So, it's very close. 
Yeah, which is crazy because it does. Advent is that season that it's 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 sandwiched, you know, in between these like two really big holidays in our country, right? Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and Christmas, and it's it's sandwiched in between there, and so we're just extremely busy during those times. You know, Thanksgiving we have, you know, people get off of work and school, and we have family, and then Advent starts, and then you know we're shopping and preparing for Christmas, and Christmas is exciting, but. Advent is the start of the new year for us as Christians. It is the beginning. And I often think about this, even in my own life, it it is a time to spiritually reset and almost begin a new spiritual year. It is a new liturgical year for us as Catholics, but to really think of a new spiritual year, what are ways that I want to grow spiritually this year? Yeah, and I think, you know, Christmas is an interesting aspect of that newness because we go back to the beginning of Christ's life, right? And so it's all about a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. We all know that. But every year we go through the cycle of his life so that we can kind of form that relationship anew, right? Like meet Jesus as a baby again for the first time. Baby Just like Jesus. We do every year, but let's meet him again, you know? And Advent is kind of like that opportunity to prepare to restart our relationship with Jesus, like to meet him again as a baby in the manger, to meet him again in the context of Mary and Joseph and the angels and everybody, you know, the whole story, hmm. uh, to prepare ourselves to go again to this and renew our relationship. And and this is what we tell couples to do all the time, like find your first love. If you've been married for a while and, you know, try to rekindle that first love. Go back to the beginning. Tap into that origin. The first love with your spouse. Not, right. Not like yeah, your first don't, love. Don't leave your spouse <laughs> for your first love. No. <laughs> You're like, well, actually, when I was... <laughs> Oh, it's four. That's bad advice. Yeah, that's bad advice. <laughs> no, the, the good advice, like getting back to that origin of your love, mm-hmm. and we get to do that with Jesus every year, going back to the beginning. That's exactly it. You know, so we're going to talk more about that as we lead up to Advent. But I was wondering if you had a, a weird Catholic stuff. What? You're kidding me! Catholic stuff. That was like spot on. That was not pre-recorded. <laughs> no, it's all live, baby. That's all live. So anyway, <laughs> in your face, you're just like <laughs> you didn't know what to do. I, I didn't. Just, you I'm just, just shouting. Over you just here. started yelling in the studio. <laughs> <clears throat> if you guys are had a picture of the studio, if you could imagine, it is just four very close walls together. Yep. And I'm just yelling. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> No windows, <laughs> carpet on the walls, and we're extremely close, and Adam just starts yelling. <laughs> it's almost like it's Friday, and all this angst from a whole week of work comes out in that weird Catholic stuff. You're segment. right. I do get a lot out of me. <laughs> you should try next time. You should do it next time. <laughs> I should. There's, I might not stop if I start. Okay, so do you have a weird Catholic stuff? Um well, this is pretty weird. Um, Halloween just happened. Yeah, it did. We didn't even talk about it. Yes. And one of the weird things that people, when they find out, they get really grossed out grossed out by it. I wasn't initially grossed out by it, but I understand. And then I was surprised at how many people just think it's so weird and gross. But you know about this uh, bone church in Rome, right? So these monks, um, it's, a, it's a community of monks, but they've created a chapel underground that's lined with the bones of all their old monks. Do you know about this, the bone chapel? I've heard of it, but I've never been. I've never been either, but I've seen pictures, and it is weird. I'll give you that, but I didn't think like, oh, this is creepy weird, but people are freaked out by this because it literally is people's bones all over the walls. How how big is the the chapel? Oh, it... I think it's chapel size, so it's not like a huge church or anything, but it's... Um, but you can walk in it. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and walk around, and literally the walls are covered with dead men's bones, dead brothers' bones. So is it just brothers, or is it like no, I think it's from them. the catacombs, like old saints No, it's and them, that relics. community. That's so how you, you get buried in that community. Your your bones are laid to well, rest have in to, this chapel. So you have to wait for the bodies to decay and the bones to be left. And That's then, a great question. You know, I haven't. Thought I guess about you just logistics. walk around the chapel as a brother or, or friar, and you just think, well, I'll be there one day. Exactly, and that's why they do it, right? It's this uh, 
um, remember your death kind of theme that they went with and they're really committed to it. So, well, you know, we, we're all be there one day, all of us, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, it's morbid, but it's reality. Right. And I think for people who, you know, particularly people who are in religious life, like they dedicate their whole life to the Lord in this religious order, they're less detached than, than we are to our families, you know, and to, you know, our kids and whatnot. And like this, this fear of death, because, you know, we have responsibility in a sense of like our, you know, our immediate family and, and whatnot. Whereas you're in a religious life, like you just detach yourself from the world and you're just like, this is it. And you just kind of see your destiny, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're just bones. But it's interesting because I actually have a weird Catholic stuff as well. I've been intrigued this week I was reading because we had, um, you know, so much a feast day, but uh, a saint day that uh, we remember this week on November 3rd, which is uh, St. Martin de Porus. Okay, so, you know, he's uh, he's kind of a name that's thrown out. I mean, we, we hear about him. He's not necessarily like a father of the church or, or uh, famous, but he is like, you know, a name, like if you were to mention, I'd be like, yeah, I've heard of that. So I was reading more about him, and he's got a just a fascinating story that I want to learn more about. And, and uh, you know, for those of you guys who are listening, if you never have time to, like, learn and grow in the faith, like, and you're like, I'm kind of at a stopping point or I don't know where to go next, start, like, reading more about the saints mm-hmm. because it, it tells you so much about Christ and you know, the different ways that Christ reveals himself and the different ways that people actually live out that relationship with Christ. So from one saint to the other, there's different expressions or charisms or gifts or their background, their history, their humanness, like their testimony, all those things. It's not like saints come out of this, you know, cookie cutter sort of mold, right? Mm -hmm. That we often, you know, like to fit people in. And St. Martin was, uh, you know, he was he was an islander, uh, and he, you know, kind of Spanish descent. He was, you know, they say that he was maybe even, you know, more, you know, black-looking, dark mm-hmm. skin, a minority, um, came from poverty. Uh, but his mother put him into an internship where he was doing like a, a mentorship, you know, back, back in the day. That's kind of how you learned your trade. This is like in the 1500s where he learned to be a physician and a barber at the same, like what an in, like what a mentorship, right? Yeah. I guess you did this, the, the two together. I, <laughs> I don't really know, but he decided to join a religious order as a lay person. So he didn't necessarily feel called to like the priesthood or anything. He just wanted to like serve. And he kind of made his hay by just being a door opener, like a servant of servants and he he really took the fast track not not like by cho- of sainthood by just serving he would he would he was like a door holder a door opener and he didn't become you know or <clears throat> enter into the religious life like you know and discern that till later on but i'm going to get to the weird catholic part of this <laughs> okay and i think you know where i'm going so um you know, it says that, um, so he, in his daily work in the kitchen, laundry, and infirmary, Martin's life reflected God's extraordinary gifts. He would have ecstasies that lifted him into the air. So he levitated. So, you know, friars would see him and he, he would be just praying in the kitchen and he would levitate. Um, light filling the room where he prayed. Um, now granted this is in the 1500s, so it's not, it's not like there was just like, you know, he, he experienced bilocation, which some say, um, Padre Pio did Mm -hmm. and some other saints, uh, miraculous knowledge, instantaneous cures. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the weirdest thing though, is that he would, um, levitate. That is weird. You don't see that every day. No, like, what would you do if you came into the studio and I was just floating? <laughs> like, honestly. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know if I'd try to stop you. I don't know if I would say, I don't know. Like, the first time it happened, like, here's the question I have for him when I get to heaven. is like, <laughs> is, 
did he know it was happening? Or is he like it's in such question. ecstasy mm-hmm. when he bilocated or in such ecstasy and prayer when he levitated that he didn't even know it was happening? Other people witnessed it, but like he wasn't focused on himself. He was so focused on God that it happened and he didn't even know it was happening. It just happened. That's a question to have. Yeah. Or if he was just like, you know, God, you know what I'd really love to do right now? I'd love to fly. Can you let me fly a little bit? I mean, <laughs> maybe that's how it happened. No, it is. I mean, it is a weird Catholic thing, and I think it's important to remind people. And it seems, and I say that because our Lord seems to remind people every so often how amazing He is by having saints do crazy things like this. And this was part of the evangelization of the New World with Saint Martin de Porres. He was a minister to the to the minorities for sure, and to um, to uh, the native folks. But he's a minister to the whole continent and the whole hemisphere. Um, St. Martin de Porres, in this hemisphere, spread the faith because of these miraculous things that he did, his, his reputation for holiness that God provided. And so the weird Catholic stuff is good to look at because it inspires us. It reminds us that God is amazing. And he's God is not just someone interested in like people being good people. He's God, right? Like God is amazing and wonderful, and he can do amazing things in our life, like St. Martin de Porres's life. No, absolutely. He called himself, <clears throat> this is him calling himself this, the poor slave. Like, he looked at himself as a servant and a slave to the slaves, as a ultimate servant, and even when they would run out of money or they would try to feed the poor, he would tell his religious order to sell him for mm. money. Like, like, just this is expression of like, I'd rather them have the money and the food than me, like sell me. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he just has such this servant attitude, you know, this, this door opener, this servant of servants to the point where he became a spiritual director for a lot of the friars in, in, in the, in their order, you know, he, he, he became a reader of souls. Like he was such in prayer and ecstasy with the Lord that he just gave of himself and we're going to talk about this a little bit more in the show uh, in relation with St. Morton the Porus this week to the, to the Sunday Gospel. I like how it kind of falls into play here. But the weird thing, honestly, to go with the weird <laughs> Catholic stuff is he bilocated and levitated. That is weird. Yeah. So I'd like to know the places he went when at he the same time that he was in another place. So it's another question I have for him. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the health care problem. Are you paying too much for your health care cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a health care sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund health care costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening to the show, being a part of the show today on the podcast. Please feel free to share it wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And to KLFT Radio, all the listeners in Acadiana, nice, cool weather. There's a point in the weather where it goes from like this nice, crisp, you know, sunny 60 degree to where it gets it like the 40s. And it's just like, I don't enjoy that. That's right. But but some people do. Well, the older I get, the more I get serious about layers. Yeah. And the sooner they come out. Right. Like this week, I wasn't playing around. Do you have a fireplace in your house? No, but we have a fire pit in our backyard. Okay. Man, you know, a little... Little pit. Do marshmallows. Oh yeah. S'mores. Oh yeah. Got to do. And we're doing that tonight. Tonight's the mm-hmm. night, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. But I will have layers and a big old coat. Yeah. I don't play no more. I like That's a, a young man's game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, as a deacon, you get to play with fire all the time. I mean, incense, lighting candles, you know, doing all sorts of things. Incense is just its just a little barbecue pit that you carry around. That's all it is. I mean, it's just a little, uh, what do they call them, the eggs, those little green eggs? Mm-hmm. 
Just one of those just on one a of chain. Those. Yeah. Smoke it up. You get really, you know, used to dealing with charcoal with incense, you know. That's true. Okay, so Advent coming up in three weeks. I know we're kind of starting early, and, you know, Halloween passed, and we didn't talk about it, which is probably, a you know, who cares? <laughs> um, we did go trick-or-treating, but only because we had to, to get candy. As a deacon, as someone who gets to celebrate the liturgy and kind of think intentionally, you know, about the seasons, right? So, like, as a deacon, you're kind of just thinking a little bit more intentionally than the rest of us should or do, and you're kind of inviting us into that. With Advent coming up, like, what are you thinking about? Like, what's what's kind of the thought of the church and for us as we kind of, like, begin to kind of point that direction? Well, I'm glad you said that because— a lot of people don't notice what the church is doing right now. So when you go to Mass this Sunday, and for the next few Sundays or couple Sundays, the readings are starting to talk about the end of the world, right? Like they're starting to point us in our thoughts to the end. And Christ the King, which is the last Sunday of Ordinary Time, is that day where we uh, look forward to Christ being finally king of all the universe in a fulfilled, complete way. Right now, he's already king, and we proclaim him king. So whoever's in the White House or in Buckingham Palace or wherever, like, Jesus is king, whether we recognize it or not. But in the end, everyone will recognize it, and Mm. the king will come and separate the sheep from the goats. And we celebrate that. In fact, that's the readings on Christ the King Sunday is the sheep from the goats. But for the next few Sundays, the church is pointing us to the end because that's where Advent starts. So Jesus won't come back as our favorite politician. He won't look like I d- that. I doubt it. Like Abraham Lincoln. He won't look like Abe. Well, he might look like Abe just because we have such a huge statue of Abe in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and I think Jesus is going to be really big when he comes back. So. And you mean when Jesus comes back, it's not just to America, it's to the whole world? To the whole world. You mean when God thinks about like us, he thinks all his children around the whole world for all time. Like he's not just looking, you know, at America. Right. 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 So like, you know, when we talk about the church, we talk about the church global, you know, Catholic means universal, uh, as we've talked about before. So the season of Advent doesn't just start here. Like it's this, like we're united with the church around the world mm-hmm. starting Advent. And it's interesting you mentioned, because I didn't think about this, is that the last Sunday of Ordinary Time is Christ the King, which is a big Sunday for us, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this not idea, this reality that Jesus is King, he's coming back. Because Advent reminds us that the, the, Jesus did come, and he is coming, right? Like the two collide, right? Mm-hmm. The birth of Jesus, which we'll hear about through Advent, and the incarnation of 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 Jesus coming, so the coming, and then he will come again. And those two kind of come together, right? Yeah. The beginning time and the end time, again, <coughs> they kind of coincide. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where the church wants our minds right now. So it's almost like the last few Sundays of Ordinary Time or... or pre-advent. They're kind of like a little season in that, I mean, it's ordinary time, but it's ordinary time looking to the end, and then advent begins at the end. The first Sunday of advent is going to be about the end of the world. And so we are, the church wants us to start reflecting and pondering that Christ is coming back again, and this world is not all that there is. And, you know, when he comes again, he's coming to bring a kingdom. He's a king that is good and just, and and we want to be a part of it, and we want to live that way. And that expectation is perfect preparation for Advent, because that puts us in a a mode of desiring and waiting. You know, like we pray every day, if we pray the Our Father, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. This waiting and desiring for Christ to come at the end of time is the fertile soil for Advent waiting and advent preparation for Christmas. But here's the beautiful thing about the spiritual life is that we don't always get to live on top of the mountain, right? Like there's highs and lows, ups and downs, there's peaks and valleys. We all experience desolation and consolation in the spiritual life. It's part of human nature. It's part of the spiritual journey. It's part of growing and learning. The beauty is that we kind of come out of this ordinary time where it's just been like blah right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the church reboots us 
you know, refocuses. We start a spiritual new year, right, for mm -hmm. us. And I know for a lot of Catholics, like, it's a good reminder of like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I need a, I do need a think about this. I do need a start over. I do need to, you know, think about some spiritual goals or ways that I've been lacking or struggling or needs to go to confession or mass more, whatever the case may be, right? This is, this is the time. And it's interesting because as the readings begin to approach us to Advent in three weeks, the one this Sunday is so simple and beautiful. And it begins to kind of take this arrow and point us in a direction leading to Advent. And it's from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12. And you'll hear it this Sunday if you go to Mass. And if, and if you're not... Go to Mass. <laughs> Change your plans. <laughs> exactly. Go to Mass. It's great because it, there is the invitation there. Yeah. You know, and if, and if you're listening, you're like, man, I haven't been to Mass in a long time. And, you know, what would, what would people think or say? Nothing. It, all that mm -hmm. matters is that Jesus is there. Go visit him, right? Yeah. And he's waiting. So that's the beauty of it. <clears throat> and that's what I love about being Catholic because I can travel the world and not know anybody and walk into a church and I feel just as at home there in another country, in another language as I do here mm -hmm. because Jesus is there, right? It's just so cool. So it says this in the middle of the gospel. It says, Jesus, he sat down opposite the treasury and observed how the crowd put money in the treasury. So they were given their alms, their tithe, whatever. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow also came and put in two small coins worth a few cents. So he sees this, and Jesus just, you know, sees this going on. He recognizes, oh, people are giving, wealthy people, they're giving lots of money, and he sees this poor widow give a little. And he sees an opportunity, and he actually call, says, calling his disciples to himself. So he uses it as a teaching moment, like, hey, y'all come here. I got to talk to you. And he said to them, Amen, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all other contributors to the treasury. For they have all contributed from their surplus wealth. But she, from her poverty, has contributed all she had, her whole livelihood. It's a very simple, very beautiful gospel and very teachable moment, right? Because, you know, I'm a lot like that. I give from my surplus, right? And from, you know, from what I have. And he's kind of boiling down to this simple teaching of like the spiritual life and leading up to Advent is just giving Jesus what little you have, but all of it, right? And in return, he's got so much more, so much more wealth spiritually for us. And it's the giving that puts us in the disposition to that wealth, right? So Christ who emptied himself and became a slave, like St. Martin de Porres became a slave, well, he's emptying himself out. And it's that emptying that we are called to imitate, you know, that we would empty ourselves out with him. And if we do this, I mean, to the extent we do this, uh, we're filled by him. Because he he's not going to fill in us what we don't empty first. You know, he's not going to force his way into our life, in other words. He's not a violent person. He's not a king with an army who's going to conquer us by might. He's a king on a cross with an invitation. Right. He's a king who's emptied himself, as a, took the form of a slave, with an invitation to, be, to let us, let him fill our life. And so this disposition of this woman was this emptying and not having answers, not knowing what would happen. This is her livelihood. This is not like I have a plan B. This is like, Lord, I'm completely giving it all to you because I think you want me to. Right. And Christ, you're right, sees the teachable moment. And this is one of those rare times that he uses moments in uh, in Israel to teach. Because usually, if you, like in the Gospels, we'll see foreigners or like the centurion. And Jesus will say, look, this person has awesome faith. If only everybody was like them, right? And because he's trying to show the Israelites, show the Jews, look, these Gentiles, their faith, it's greater than yours. And so we need to imitate these people. But this is one of those rare occasions where he's kind of blown away by one of their own, right? Who's able in the old covenant, in this relationship with God, to empty herself. And he sees a little bit of himself in her. You know, as he's emptied himself to become human, she's emptying herself 
And uh, yeah, we should all imitate that. His disciples should imitate that. There's two things at play here. One is there is actual giving, right? Like, so when, when we do give financially or tithe, you know, sometimes we have to give where it hurts a little. Like, it's not just from our surplus. Oh, that didn't even matter. You know, it's just, uh, I just, I have, so I hear, hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And she was tithing from like, you know, a place of like, man, this is, this really hurts, you know, in a sense, like I'm really giving. The other thing that it's teaching us, and I think more importantly than every, anything else, is that it, her giving is a reflection of her heart, right? And that's, this is the point that Jesus is making, is that she's not holding anything back from God. And that's what we do. That's the tension of what we do is like, mm, we want to open up our heart a little bit. We want to give a little bit. We want to serve a little bit. We want to allow God to move in our life a little bit. We want to use our gifts for God a little bit. And so we we kind of stay at this distance in relationship with God. And we're like, mm, I'll just kind of serve God from my extra time, from my surplus, from the place where it feels comfortable for me to do it. And what Jesus is acknowledging here is this woman opened her heart completely and gave everything to God, right? That's the point that he's making. And that's the, 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 the attitude that he's inviting us into as we begin to approach Advent is this attitude of begin to open our heart to, to give God access to all of it, mm-hmm. not just some of it. And I mean, yeah, like I think it, 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 it hurts the Lord. And look, I'm, I'm just as guilty that, that I would hold something back from him, right, in my life. Like not give him, you know, all of, all of my life, every, every corner, every angle, every inch of my life to him, and that I would hold something back. Well, in looking ahead to that last day, can, can you imagine the Lord coming, and we see him on the clouds of heaven, and he's come to judge the nations? I would be inclined to give him everything in that moment because there's nothing past that, right? Like, I know it's the end. Right. I know, you know, my house, my car, my bank account, like, it's all over. None of that exists anymore. Well, shouldn't I have that same disposition right now that's one of the reasons we're about to look at christ the king we're about to look at the end is that this woman was already looking at reality that way she was already looking at her life that way that that you know to put in modern language but like the bank account doesn't matter and the car doesn't matter and the house doesn't matter and the clothes doesn't matter and my free time doesn't matter and my hobbies don't matter and it takes a perspective of faith but also hope to that on that day the most real thing is is real is that Jesus is king and he's finally come to fulfill his promise. But I need to live in that day now. Like I need to live that same heart that's waiting for Jesus to come again now. And that inspires the generosity and the gift and the emptiness because in the end, it's all passing anyway. My bank account doesn't matter. My car doesn't matter. My house doesn't matter. But the gift I make to God with my heart does matter eternally. So what you're saying is that we're going to end up as bones on the wall. That's right. Hmm. And people will come and just kneel by us and not even notice us because they're looking at Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. But It is, you know, it's crazy to think about and, and morbid in itself. But, you know, we do this at Advent and in Lent, you know. So a lot of people would say that, that Advent is a mini Lent. Mm-hmm. It is a... It is a preparation. It is a, a time to really reset spiritually, but it, it's a time to think of the end. And in, and in Lent, we do the same. Like we begin with Ash Wednesday and think about death, right? The end. Like yeah. we're not going to be around forever. That That's the reality. And I think we have a short span of our life to make, to, to give ourselves to God, to make an impact on the world, to help others discover that as well, you know, and at the same time, take care of ourselves mentally, spiritually, mm-hmm. physically, and, and, you know, able to do that. Advent is, is a, certainly a time to begin to help us shift towards that attitude spiritually. 
Well, considering the gospel that we're we're talking about the temple, and Jesus says that this woman gave more to the temple than everyone else, that's what the temple is there for. So the temple is there for this offering, that generous mm. self-gift of everything to God. And that's what our temple is there for, which is the church. Like, that's why we're Christian. We have this relationship with God through Jesus Christ to give everything away. You know, our, how many parables did our Lord give where he said, you know, like the the tower and the army, you know, if you can't renounce all your possessions, you can't be my disciple because who would who would uh, set out to build a tower without the resources to finish? So the stuff you need to get through this life of discipleship is that complete self-gift, renouncing all possessions, all things. It's that woman with those with those little coins. And so as we prepare for Advent, I think it's a great opportunity to start asking ourselves right now, you know, do I give everything to him like I would on that last day? Like if I stood before Jesus right now, where this world was finally over, how much would I be willing to give? Why can't I give him that right now? And, you know, Lord, inspire generosity in me. Because, you know, obviously giving to the poor, giving to the temple, giving to church uh, are all aspects of generosity that I need to start discerning for Advent. It's a season to do those generous things. But it, it's also the generosity of our own self, our own heart, right? Right. Like, where am I not being generous with my own heart? Where am I holding back? You know, as you talk about your earlier, you were mentioning sort of this analogy of the first love, falling in love again, right? With Advent, with your spouse, it's important that you, you kind of go back to those moments of falling in love again. Advent is, hey, it's time to fall in love with God again. And I think when we reflect in marriage and where there may be discrepancies or tension or, uh, you know, struggle in marriages, it's really like, where am I holding myself back from giving myself totally to my spouse, mm-hmm. right? So there, there's this like, you know, there's something not fully there, this total self-gift, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the same in our relationship with the Lord is like this total self-gift. And look, this is a process. Like God is very patient with us. This is why Advent and Lent come annually. It's not, we don't, it's not like we get one in our lifetime, right? Like no, God's, But we don't know when that last one is happening. We don't. <laughs> so take yeah. advantage of the one this time, right? Right, right. And, and go all in. You know, go all in, all in the most you can with what you know about yourself and your life. Like, like as you approach Advent, like just give everything to God, like your whole heart. And I promise, at least from my experience, that God will not hold you hostage to that. That great freedom will come from doing that. Yeah. I learned something recently about the word generous that gets me fired up. What? So it literally means noble birth. Like Jenna is birth, like generation, mm-hmm. and then Russ like is Genesis. like noble. Yeah, it's like noble birth. And the idea was it was a word to describe those that were of noble birth that had so much money that they were able to give it away, right? And I was reflecting on that, and I was, you know, in light of this gospel passage, I think it just blows my mind because, like, the Blessed Virgin Mary, for example— she was not of noble birth in this world. Like, she wasn't a queen in this world. But because of her emptying of herself, because of her generosity, that makes her noble. Like, it gives her a noble birth by grace, and she becomes queen. Like, she becomes the, the most noble of all people, right? Because she became a handmaid, because she was generous with God and gave everything to God, and still does. That generosity makes us noble. It gives us a noble birth. And those of us who aren't extremely wealthy, although pretty much everybody in America, in middle-class America, is wealthy compared Mm -hmm. to world standards, but we may not have a lot of money to just give away, but the generosity of our heart allows us to become kings and queens in grace and in God because we imitate him who gave everything for us and gave everything for his Father, and we can give everything too. And I think of this woman that our Lord points out and says, look, she's... She's the generous one. Like, she's the noble one. She's the one we should all imitate because she's giving everything away. She is generous. She's of noble birth because of her generosity. So, like, generosity has that power to rise above 
whatever the world sees us as, you know, lower class, middle class, high, whatever, generosity levels us all out to give us a noble birth in Christ when we're generous for him, you know? So it's very important, generosity, and it's, it's, it's essential for Christianity, and our Lord puts it front and center in the gospel. It's great. Amen. Well, we'll end that segment, take a break on Adam being smarter than me, <laughs> and we'll be back in a minute. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Thanks again for listening in to the show. Paul George in studio with Deacon Adam Conk. Adam Conkinator. That's me. The one and only. You're in such a fun mood today. The deacon of all deacons. Gosh, the servant of all servants, if only. Yes, the St. Martin de Porres of the studio today. If only. If only you could bilocate and levitate. I don't think your kids would let you. They would ask me to stop. They would, yeah, I mean, you would you would go into like the ecstasy of prayer and they would like, you Dad, know. Dad, fix my supper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm stuck on the toilet. Come and get me. Yeah, it's hard to do that as a dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get called back into reality. Oh, constantly, I mean, constantly. The, the knees. I'm sure you can imagine uh, the knees of eight children all at once. Yeah, there, there, there's a few. So, yeah, thanks everybody for listening to the show and be a part of it. Okay, so um, you have a six pack of questions. Question. Question number one. So we began the show talking about um, the weather, and you mentioned that you made a chili. Chile. Yes. Yes, see. So I want to know, my question, how proud are you of your chili? Like, is this like a cook-off worthy chili? Because I know you're a good cook, and I know you don't cook anything without, like, giving your heart to it. So I want you to express to me your pride in your chili. Yeah, like, if you eat my chili, you're not thinking of hot dogs. You're not thinking about putting that chili on a hot dog, man. No. (laughs) No. This is a meal in itself. A chili that goes on a hot dog is not a chi- it's not a chili, it's a sauce. It's a sauce because you need something else to make it all come together. You mm-hmm. need a hot dog. No, when I talk chili, I'm talking about like a full <laughs> meal. So I make a hearty chili, and it is good. Lots of meat, lots of beans. You know, it's it's all there. I bet it is. Mm-hmm. That sounds awesome. All right, question number two. You mentioned that if you could. Dress up as anything for a city. It would be a cowboy. To get paid, yeah. You got to get paid and ride on a horse. Yeah. Um, I guess my question is, why don't you do it then? If that's what you want to do, just hop into town on a horse and go for it. Well, I'm sure there are people who get paid (laughs) to be cowboys. They're literal cowboys probably on a ranch, and they do cowboy things, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of a thing. But I don't know anyone who who just rides around... (laughs) town clickety clack on a horse who gets paid to be a character would you do that there might be some towns in like texas where it's like you know maybe the actual like police or the sheriffs are on horses so that's a realistic option that is i could move to like bandera no don't go anywhere stay where you're at right but that would be a cool job that would be a cool job yeah all right question number three we mentioned saint martin de porres with all kind of um Amazing prayer abilities, these kinds of things. So you've seen some interesting prayer stuff. What is the weirdest thing you've actually witnessed with your own eyes um, as far as something God did with somebody who was praying or whatever? I don't know if people would believe me. You know, I think one of the frustrations for me at times in the church is that people feel very comfortable putting God in a box. Mm Mm-hmm. And not believing in miracles, not believing that God can move. And I often get frustrated internally, inside, 
for someone who's seeing the church globally and seeing God move in so many different ways and seeing fruits of that. So it's not like when God moves, there's fruit, there's fruit of that and there's no denying it. And it's frustrating. Oftentimes I'm going off here (coughs) where Christians or Catholics who are converted and are like really have been living the faith. They, They get so far removed from evangelizing the unchurched the people who aren't living for God or know God or go to church or go to mass, that they become very um, isolated in that and they become very judgmental Mm. and of movements or fruits that they see and they're like, oh, you know, that can't happen or shouldn't happen. They should just, you know, be over here like smothering in incense. And I'm like, no, that's great. You can do that. But there's a whole world of people who have not yet stepped foot in the door of a church, right? Mm-hmm. So that being said, like, I think we go back to the gospel. There there are people whose hearts just need to be wide open and God can move, like, you know, in very simple ways. But I'm actually seeing hands-on at exorcism. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen. I didn't do it, but I witnessed it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to, but I did. <laughs> And it was real. It's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It happened. Mm. And all I can say is that, like, stuff like that happens. Like, God still moves miraculously in people's lives, you know? And it's not always in the context of something very formal. It could be something that's very messy. It looks messy. Because Jesus walked through a town and he prayed for people. And things you know, didn't always look all clean, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Cool. All right, question number four. Uh, the woman gave out of her livelihood. This is scary, especially for lay people, because we have all these responsibilities. Like, How do you actually live that? Let's say you're a lay person today um, listening to this right now. How do we imitate that woman? Like, how do we actually do that when we also have bills and mortgages and everything else? How do we give from our livelihood? Yeah. I mean, I think there's two things that we talked about. One is actual giving of tithing, you know, of being generous, not with the surplus, but generosity in a sense of that it was a sacrifice. You know, they call it, you know, kind of a sacrificial giving. You know, it hurts a little bit. And because that helps us to believe and understand that God will provide, you know? Um, but it's also the generosity of our own heart, like giving our life and our, our livelihood in a sense of like, God, I'm all yours, you know? Which goes back to St. Martin de Porus. You know, after years in a medical apostolate, Martin applied to the Dominicans to be a lay helper. He was a lay person, not feeling himself worthy to be a religious like, so he was a lay person, just like, you know, like me. And he's just like, I just want to give. I want to serve everything. Uh, I'm going to give everything and just serve. That's That was his heart, right? No, he wasn't, he wasn't married and didn't have certain responsibilities. But I think that's the attitude that we should have is like, I just want to serve. And God will take it from there. Right on. All right, question number five. So Thanksgiving is coming up in a couple of weeks and when we're busy with all that we're not thinking about advent would you recommend kind of pre-thanksgiving time maybe some conversations about advent as a family and how do you get started with that you know maybe i just had this thought out or maybe we can start a trend here on the show and people around the world can say it started right there on the show (laughs) south louisiana here we have this thing called mardi gras and it is a thing you know (laughs) fat tuesday is actually a catholic thing it's a it's a feast before the fast of Lent, right? Mm-hmm. So that being said, why don't we look at Thanksgiving as this feast before Advent, like this time to celebrate before we enter into this season of a mini penance and, and renewal spiritually. But around Mardi Gras and Fat Tuesday, we are thinking Lent's coming. Like there's this like, and then Ash Wednesday. So, allow Thanksgiving to be this feast with family, but at the same time to be thinking of Advent. And I like that. So you yeah. may have started something here, sir. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Mm. A new holiday. Well, just, yeah. I, I had no idea we would do this on the show today, start a movement. It's going it. to happen. We did it. Question number six. Uh, let's say we are greedy and we know that about ourselves. Like mm. we want the big pile of stuff and it's hard for us to even consider not just greedy with money, but greedy with um, our time, greedy with our comfort. You know, like we, we know that about ourselves. Yeah. How can we maybe, you know, looking ahead to Advent, like how can we get a little program for ourselves to, mm. to get out of that and, mm. and stop being so selfish? Oh, man. It's a practice. You know, vir- a virtue is a discipline that, and a habit that you kind of build in your life over time. So it doesn't, it doesn't just happen, right? Like you got to be a little bit intentional about building in this habit. And so I would just think about giving from a place that makes you feel uncomfortable. Like it stretches you. So that might be with your time. You might be selfish with your time. You might be a little selfish with your talent. You might be a little selfish with your alms, your money. You might be a little selfish with, you know, just people, you know? And like, you might just be selfish with the way that you live your life, like, and and structure, you know? So allowing yourself to kind of pray and and ask the Lord to, to show you a place that you could feel a little stretched in one of those areas, you know? So, you know, your time, your talent, your treasure, we kind of say those words kind of lightly, but like, if I were to look at those three areas, like those are big areas, right? And I think Advent's a good time to kind of think about that, you know? So I'm, there's always going to be a place in my life where like I'm growing in virtue and there's going to be a place in my life where I'm lacking in virtue and I need to grow in there. And there's a place of selfishness, right? Because we, we love as humans to hold on to comforts. We just do, right? It's sort of this human nature. And so praying through those and that, and that's the, why we, you know, we talk a lot on the show about saints is because they modeled this life of detachment and it didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen in St. Martin de Porres overnight. Like he joined as a lay worker and he held open a door. And from there, like he never knew that one day he would levitate or <laughs> bilocate. But it started with his heart just saying, I just want to serve as a lay person. And then that grew into him joining the religious life and growing in a life of prayer to the point where God took his small little coin and it grew into these amazing spiritual gifts. And that's where we start in our own spiritual life. It's just, we just give God whatever coins we have in our hand and say, here's what I have. What can you do with it? And this is what Jesus is saying in the gospel is I can take those two coins and do a lot with it than I can with someone who gave a lot of coins, but held more coins to themselves, right? That's the invitation is that our hearts we would, we would just hand God everything and say, here it is. What can you do with this? And that's the attitude that we should have. So that's the invitation for us this week, this Advent, this year. Sweet. Bang, bang. Bang, bang. <laughs> Start a movement. Start a movement. Anyway, so thanks, everyone. Thanks, Adam, for being a part of the show. And uh, for everyone listening, feel free to share the show on the podcast. And you can invite people, or I don't know, to listen. Everyone in Katie have a listening party. Get together Kayla with friends yeah. at, at their house. Man. Let's hear the new episode together. When did you start drinking? Well, we were just listening to the Paul George show, and we had to get through it. So anyway, and and you could practice your uh, weird Catholic stuff yelling. Yeah, and look, if you send in your own yells, we'll add them into the... That would be as amazing. As long as they're appropriate. Send in your weird Catholic stuff yell. That would be awesome. Yeah, and uh, yep. So we'll be back next week. God bless. <laughs>